Your victories are very true. 
Lord Jesus Christ, so govern our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that ever mindful of your glorious return, we may persevere in both faith and holiness of living. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The reading of the Holy Scriptures, the Old Testament reading recorded for us for this, the last Sunday of the church year, is from the prophet Isaiah, the 51st chapter. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation, for a law will go out from me and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples, the coastlands. Hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading from the letter of Jude, verses 20 to 25. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now and forevermore, Amen. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God.
stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Gospel according to St. Mark, the 13th chapter. Jesus said, In those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and, and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the cock crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God.
Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for this last Sunday of the church year is from the Gospel reading. St. Mark, as he records these words of our Lord, where Jesus says, But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when that time will come. So far our text, dear Christian friends, no one knows the day, so says our Lord. There are, though, many who suppose they do know it. One of the bigger Hollywood films to hit the silver screen as of late and recently, already a box office hit, is entitled 2012. Evident even by its title, the film draws on the, the, the prophecy of sorts concerning the ancient Mayan calendar that suggests that this world will come to its end on the 21st day of December, in the year 2012. While some take this imminent close of the days according to the Mayan calendar more seriously than others, there's certainly been no shortage of those throughout the years and the ages who have predicted the end. There have been the ancients, the, the medievals, who had that particular day in mind in 365 AD. Hilary of Poitiers announced that the world was going to end in that year. Of course, it didn't. It's said that based on the astrological alignment of several planets, one John of Toledo, an Englishman, predicted the end of days would be in the year 1186. Then came 1187. William Miller, leader of the Millerite movement, predicted March 21st of 1843 to be the day. When that didn't pan out, he then predicted October 22nd, 1844. As the 22nd day of October, 1844 approached, many caught up in the frenzy. They sold their, their property, quit their jobs, waited for the end. And the 22nd of October came, and it went, like so many days before. And that wasn't the only time, either, that, that one would, quote, recalculate the date. One group that follows in the footsteps of Charles Taze Russell predicted the end of days would come in 1914. Then in 1915, 18, 20, 25, 41, 75, 94, and still counting. And to this day, television, radio personalities, based on their carefully calculated conjecture, will put all their chips on one space on the calendar. I recently visited the website of a popular religious radio personality based right here in the Bay Area, and on his website, the first page of his website has a banner at the bottom that reads, Judgment Day, May 21st, 2011. But I suppose if this group had a website 14 or so years ago, the website would have read, Judgment Day, mid-September 1994. It's last prediction. Endless predictions of the end. Many arrived at by dizzying and, and acrobatic arithmetic based on biblical numbers that were never intended to be divided or multiplied or stretched or strained or manipulated to the nth degree. No one knows the day or the hour, not the angels in heaven, and not even in his state of humiliation before his resurrection, 
in which he so often withheld from himself his own divine prerogatives, not even the Son, says Jesus, but only the Father. Because no one knows, the better part of wisdom is always to be ready, isn't it? We're told to be prepared for, for when the big one, the big quake strikes again. We're, we're told to, to have our plan practiced and ready for when the smoke alarm goes off in the deep of the night. We're told to be ready because you just don't know when these things will be. Earthquakes and fires don't come with warnings, with warning signs. Ah, but we say, signs there will be, we're told, for the end, right? Jesus says it. He said in the text, in those days, Jesus says, the sun will be darkened. And the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from the heavens and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Those sound to me like unmistakable signs, almost enough to cause someone to put off preparing until we start to feel the ground shake or we start to smell the smoke. But if Jesus... In foretelling of these signs, if Jesus would have been encouraging procrastination until the lights do go out, he certainly wouldn't have exhorted us to be on your guard. He wouldn't have said to us today, you don't know when the time will be. But concerning these signs for a moment, regarding these signs of sun, moon, and stars, it is hard to imagine what they might be, what they might look like. Good biblical scholars vary widely in their opinions about what they would look like. Some think they're actually far more common, far more common occurrences than a singular one-time solar or lunar or stellar event. Things like solar eclipses, some suppose, like the days, like the sun's fading light at the end of the day, like falling stars, shooting stars, meteor showers, the kind many witnessed last weekend. Events in the heavens that occur in every generation. Some understand them that way. Others, though, understand them to be unique to the end of days. For the heavens, indeed, it says, will be shaken. Whichever. Whether they're more regular, perpetual indicators that we are indeed in the last days and we are. Or they're to be swift and singular events. Whichever. Regardless, Jesus leaves no doubt that we need not and we should not tremble and fear them. Even if the heavens do tremble, we need not. Why not? Well, in Luke's account of, the, of this very event, these very words Jesus was sharing, in Luke's account, he includes words that Mark, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, chose not to include. But in Luke's account, we have reason why. Onto his discussion and discourse about these signs in Luke's account, we have these words of Jesus when he says, Now, when these things begin to happen, look up. Lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Luther put it so well. Maybe you, maybe you read it last week on the front inside cover of your bulletin where it was included in last week's bulletin. Maybe you read it, but Luther put it so well because on words like these of Jesus, Luther said this. He said, Christ is saying this, although creation will take on a different appearance and the sun and the moon will become black and dark and give you a sour look, don't be frightened and crawl into corners when these things begin to happen, but lift up your heads. For as Jesus would say, Luther writes, remember that you wanted me to do these things. 
For if I'm to save you, I must first attack those who hold you captive. If you were lying captive in a castle and heard men shooting and storming into it, you'd not at all be afraid of the shooting and the storming. You would actually be glad about it. If you knew that it, the attack had begun for your sake, to free you in this way, do that here. Think, Luther says, here in this way of these things, these signs. As you drove in today, uh, perhaps drove into the parking lot here and, and saw the, I think it's a Chinese pistachio in, in the middle of the parking lot, or perhaps as you drove the streets of our valley this time of year, you see the fall colors. Beautiful. Maybe they're not what they would be driving on a Sunday afternoon in Vermont or New Hampshire, but nonetheless, the fall colors, the foliage, it's beautiful. When the leaves look as they do, you know winter's on its way. Jesus used leaf illustrations too, remember, in the text? He said, when the branches of the fig tree become tender and leaf out, you, you know that summer's near. So too the signs of his coming. They remind us, they indicate to us that, that he is at the door. And so close as he is, it's no wonder at all then that, that he says with such urgency, keep watch. Keep awake. Awake. That's, that's a good choice of words. For a people like us, a people who naturally tend to doze, it's not that we don't live with a sense of urgency about things in life. We certainly do. But about which things? Our iPhones and our electronic organizers, they keep us scheduled, don't they? Prompt, mindful, diligent. We're vigilant about flu vaccines. And the latest in cancer research, surveying and scrutinizing the horizon for access to these things, for breakthroughs in these things, some... They check the Dow Jones Industrial Average daily, hour by hour, some even minute by minute, noting the trends in order to read the economic signs of the times. It's not that we don't live with a sense of alertness, but how many iPhones are programmed to remind you the time of his coming is near? How many public service announcements on the evening news caution that he's coming? Be ready. Be prepared. How many times does trading on Wall Street close for the day with the reminder that your treasure in heaven is near so we may not be trading tomorrow? It's not how we're naturally inclined to be spiritually awake and minded. No, we're, we're a fallen people and therefore we're a sleepy people. A sleepy people to spiritual things. Each of us are inclinations affected by the sin that is within each and every one of us. And so wrongly, we tend to doze. Even when the Lord shakes the heavens of our little world by way of a health scare, perhaps, in life, or by a critical event of some sort, we all have them. We all have them, whether in our life or the life of an extended family member, be it what it may, still, with these, we're so inclined just to hit the snooze button, dismiss the urgency of His coming, or of life's shortness, and just to doze off again. Why do we do it? For the same reason that Peter and James and John did in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus had called them to watch and to pray with him for the critical, his critical hour was at hand, and they fell asleep 
time and again. Why was it that they did that? Jesus said, the spirit is willing. The new man in us is willing, but the flesh is weak. Even in today's text, he warns us there's going to be temptation toward that that spiritual slumber. What does he say? Note it well. He says, stay awake, therefore, for you know not when the Lord of the house is, is going to return. Whether it be in the evening, he says, or at midnight, or when the cock crows, or in the morning. You know what he just did there? Jesus just described the four watches, the four Roman watches of the night. When guards would be posted, and it was their duty to watch at their appointed watch, and and on penalty of death, to stay awake. But you can well imagine the temptation for those watchmen, those Roman watchmen to sleep. There in the still of the night, when men naturally sleep, when we're inclined to close our eyes and rest, when it seems that nothing of significance is happening, But if because of the severity of consequences, Roman watchmen were so careful in watching, how much more us, enabled by God's word and sacrament, how much more should we watch and stay awake for his coming? But remember this. Remember this, friends. Unlike the Roman watchmen in the night, it's it's not threat that chiefly compels us to watch for our Lord's return, for he's not coming to to settle the score with you. He already did that. He already did that. God, the judge in human flesh, settled the score of every man and every sin, when every sin of every man was judged in one man. On the cross of Calvary, every man was guilty. But the eternal sentence, the eternal punishment of all men, God commuted to one man, his own son, Jesus Christ. Every man through Christ now stands forgiven, pardoned. The gavel has sounded, the gavel has dropped. The sentence is read and it goes like this and I quote, There is now no condemnation, St. Paul writes, for those who are in Christ Jesus. For God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not counting our trespasses, our crimes against us. Heaven and earth will pass away, but those words, never. They're yours forever. God already settled the score with the human race and his son, and he's got the scars to prove it. He's the one. Who did that for us. He's the one for whom we wait. And we confess that in our sermon hymn. Maybe you, maybe you caught it in the sermon hymn. The third verse. We sang those dear tokens of his passion. Still his dazzling body bears cause of, of endless exultation to his ransomed worshipers. With what rapture, with what rapture gaze we on those glorious scars. Beautiful. Our own window, our second coming window. Take a look at it on your way out today. The window that depicts his second coming also depicts those beautiful scars, nail prints in his hands. On a day like today and in the morning, not so easily seen. But when the afternoon sun moves to this side of the building and the the rays of light shine through, they dazzle. 
with brightness, those, those prints in his hands. We wait with eager expectation for him who once said to you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. It'll be, friends, your liberation day. Not from, not from, the, sent, not from the, the sentence of your sin. That's already taken place, but, but from the effect of all sin. It'll be your liberation day from sickness, from infirmity, from reason to weep, from, from threat. And every anxiety emancipated. So, keep watch. One thing to leave you with here today. The weather in the first days of June in the year 1944 was drab. It was drab on, on the Channel Coast of France. Nothing seemed to be going on. And so because of the conditions, Nazi forces stood down their alert and because their eyes were set somewhere else with confidence set to another part of France, Pas de Calais, northeast of the River Seine, expecting action from that direction. So because of these things, they weren't watching with much urgency the Normandy coast. Many senior officers were even away on weekend furloughs. Erwin Rommel himself had a few days leave to celebrate his wife's birthday. But just after midnight on the 6th of June, Allied paratroopers began to descend down on the French countryside behind enemy lines in the early morning watch sometime before 6.30 in the morning, the largest invasion force in history commenced its frontal surprise attack on German-occupied France. The supreme commander of German forces, the Fuhrer, Hitler, he slept. He slept soundly. The war in Europe turned on the events that day, considered by some to be the defining moment of the 20th century. And, and the news of the successful and decisive Allied victory of coming liberation would, would sweep the land, wending its way into the French villages, making its way into village homes. And as the Allied forces made their way in, in, inland, as the Allied forces made their way inland, how the many watching and waiting village and townspeople, yet under occupation, how they must have kept vigil and watched and waited. They knew not the day nor the hour their liberation would come, but they watched because they knew it would be soon. And they looked and they, and they listened for the signs, artillery fire, explosions, things that otherwise would strike fear, but now under these conditions and circumstances, things that swelled their joy. And soon, hope, hope gave way to sight. The church bells rang, townspeople cheered and sang, and they danced. Bottles of wine stored up just for the occasion were popped open and enjoyed. And the liberation forces were embraced by the many who would lie in the streets. As one put it, not surprisingly, it's a reception that most would remember with great fondness. You remember, too, who's coming for you.
and coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus, quickly. Come. In his name, amen.
We now pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord God, Almighty Father, on this last Sunday of the church year, we thank you for sustaining your church through another year of your grace. At the bidding of your prophet Isaiah today, we do give attention to your word and lift up our eyes to the heavens from whence Christ our righteousness draws near. And with Jude, the brother of our Lord, we pray that you would keep us from stumbling and present us blameless at the day of his coming. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Enable us by your grace to remain awake while the world sleeps, awake to the sounds and signs which prepare us to receive your Son when he visibly returns in all his glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Awaken all who are complacent to the preaching and teaching of your word that they may with us attentively hear it and by your spirit be moved by it readily to confess sin and gratefully worship and praise you for our redemption in Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Look mercifully, O Lord, upon your church throughout the world that as the end of the earth's days draw near, she may not grow weary in her confession, but courageously engage the world with the law of your word and the gospel of your Son. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Grant wisdom to the leaders of the nations of the world and especially to our President and Congress and the courts of our land. Provide them with wise counsel as they weigh the expressed concerns of their constituents, that they may propose and enact and execute only that legislation which is pleasing in your sight. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless our soldiers and their families so far from each other as the holidays draw near. Be with all who travel during the weeks to come, that they may reach their destinations and safely return home. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Open our eyes to the bounty with which you bless us and create within our hearts eagerness to give thanks to you on this coming Thanksgiving day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With guests, Irma Sanchez, son Joseph, and all their family, receive our thanks today for having kept and preserved Joseph by your mercy and protective hand from lasting harm and even death that threatened him due to a motorcycle accident accident in which Joseph was involved. For the healing you've been gracious to supply to him, and for caring and praying and supportive friends and neighbors by whom Joseph and family have been blessed, including Michael Ubo and his father and mother Okan and Eni, we give you thanks, and we ask that you would direct and so govern our days and work through life's events that we might know the frailty of our days the eternally lasting salvation of Christ Jesus, and so that we might each be your hands of service to those who stand in need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be the daily strength of all the baptized, especially the widow and the orphan and the sick and the suffering. To that end, bless Paul Duell and Dick and Elsie Much, Marguerite Helt, Ralph Chambers and Hugh Ryan, Sonia Heideman and Abigail Priest, granting them healing and health restored in accord with your good and perfect will. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With Sister in Christ, Crystal Balki, we thank you that you have granted the surgeons operating upon her heart success. And we pray that you would grant to her and all who recover from medical procedure and to those who await test results the grace sufficient to meet the challenges of the day. Lord, in your mercy, 
Hear our prayer. Be the hope of the dying, giving them confidence that you never forsake your own, but lead us through the valley of the shadow of death unto life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, O Holy Father, receive our thanks for those who have made this pilgrimage before us and enable us to follow after them in remaining faithful unto death, that with them we too may receive the crown of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us together to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by your governance, may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen.